This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest philosophers to your fingertips. With more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more, The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Secret Life of Words, English Words and Their Origins. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard, and this is my weekly podcast about the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard. This week we're looking at the June 1st issue, and our lead piece is entitled Poor Relations, The Rise and Fall of Our Neanderthal Cousins by Elizabeth Powers. Elizabeth Powers is a very versatile writer in New York and frequent uh, contributor to our pages. And the book she's reviewing is entitled The Invaders, How Humans and Their Dogs Drove Neanderthals to Extinction by Pat Shipman. Um, The Neanderthals, of course, are our uh, prehistoric cousins, and rather like the dinosaurs, um, there's been a considerable amount of uh, uh, speculation over the years about why the Neanderthals died out and why Homo sapiens um, uh, now rules supreme on the planet. Um, This is of particular interest, um, I suppose, to those of us with uh, of European origins, since a lot of um, a lot of Western European peoples probably have a smidgen or maybe even a little bit more uh, Neanderthal DNA in them. Um, Some might say there's certain characteristic human characteristics that have uh, Neanderthal origins. But anyway, of course, as with all such things at the moment, um, there's a lot of evidence, but not too many conclusions and much speculation, some of it informed, some of it uh, wildly speculative. Um, but the, the, the invaders um, has a definite theory about how and why um, uh, the Neanderthals, who'd, who'd never really numbered, and uh, there weren't all that many uh, Neanderthals in the world, uh, at the time, maybe about maybe about a hundred thousand or so, all across um, both Europe and and I guess Western Asia, one would say. Um, but uh, our our reviewer um, Elizabeth Powers isn't quite sure that she agrees with um, Pat Shipman's conclusion about uh, what caused their downfall. But it all makes for a very amusing and interesting reading, and you can probably draw your own conclusion about uh, the validity of the invaders by reading Elizabeth Powers' splendid essay about it. That is followed by a piece by Jay Cost, who is one of our um, staff writers here at the Weekly Standard, and Jay frequently writes about um, politics with a with a deep historical perspective. But this is um, uh, more recent history with a lot of politics mi- mixed in. The book is entitled hidden in plain sight, what really caused the world's worst financial crisis and why it could happen again by Peter Wallison from Encounter Books. Um, The worst financial crisis that the author is referring to here 
uh, is the 2008 financial collapse, which uh, certainly in, by any statistical measure was a pretty spectacular adjustment or um, whatever, the, uh, whatever the, the euphemism is that is used for these things. Um, but the author of the book, and Jay Koss tends to agree with him, uh, suggests that the politics had a lot uh, to do with it, and it was very much the politics of the uh, of the, um, vast expansion of um, mortgage market in the in the early 21st century, um, aided and abetted by um, uh, Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, the two quasi-official or quasi quasi-governmental agencies. Um, along with the complicity of, of um, members of Congress, notably our friend Barney Frank, the former congressman from Massachusetts, who were always um, exhorting uh, banks to extend credit to people who probably were not in a position to pay off the colossal mortgages that um, somewhat dodgy lenders were happy to extend to them. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting exploration of the 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 historic and political origins of the 2008 financial collapse. And I think Jay, um, as always, makes um, kind of financial and economic arcana quite readable and interesting. That is followed by a piece by uh, James Seaton, who another contributor to our pages who teaches English at Michigan State. It's a, it's a review of uh, Peter Gay's last book entitled Why the Romantics Matter, Peter Gay having uh, just died this past month. The the very well-known um, Yale um, uh, cultural historian, um, but James is not uh, James Seaton is not especially uh, enthusiastic about about Peter Gay's views of the Romantic movement. He he he, he um, is um, highly critical, in fact, of of um, Gay's treatment of the subject. I I, I tend to be. Um, a little leery of um, dancing on the graves of recently dead scholars such as Peter Gay, especially since I tend to admire a lot of what he does. But but my, I guess my larger view is that everybody's entitled to their opinion on these things, and um, James Seaton's argument against Peter Gay is, 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 is certainly a valid one, and uh, he makes it very, very forcefully, I think. So I think without any particular disrespect to the memory of a very great and, and distinguished scholar. Um, it's an interesting argument against Peter Gay's idea of what the Romantic movement, that is the, the Romantic movement in, I should say, in literature and, and art in the late 18th, early 19th centuries. Um, his idea, Gay's idea of what that really was, um, uh, is obviously different from James Seaton's, but they both make interesting and compelling arguments. Uh, Alexander Gray is the author of our next um, piece, which is a review of a of a, um, a interesting book uh, entitled "The Hundred Year Marathon: China's Secret Strategy to Replace America as the Global Superpower" by Michael Pillsbury. Um, books about um, China's prospects in the next century are, are almost a dime a dozen these days. Um, and of course, they're almost equally divided between people who welcome the emergence of China, especially since it, in its in its um, hybrid communist capitalist state these days, and those who uh, worry about it, who think of China as um, ambitious in ways that would make most Americans uncomfortable, and certainly you need only read the daily newspaper to see the extent to which China, on an almost daily basis, is challenging American supremacy, uh, certainly in the 
Pacific, uh, but in other places around the world, and not just financial um, supremacy, uh, military supremacy, and strategic supremacy as well. Uh, Michael Pillsbury's view is that this is a long-term Chinese ambition and strategy, and that there are, it's, I, I don't think he's suggesting that there's a, a an outline somewhere or a book that was published at some point that lays it out, but but the ambitions of China have been clear if you are inclined to look at them and see them. And that is matched in more recent years, especially, uh, one might argue, during the Obama administration by a certain fecklessness in the American response. We've, to some degree, ceded uh, China's ambitions to China. And that, in the long term, in Alexander Gray's view, is not good for America. So I strongly commend that piece to you. Two more pieces in the section. One is an essay by Daniel Galernter on the new um, Whitney Museum of American Art in New York. Uh, the Whitney Museum has always been a, uh, um, a showplace for uh, what we might call avant-garde um, American art, and um, its its old uh, location on the Upper East Side was um, uh, opened in 1966, and of course it's now. Well, it makes me feel old. It's now half a century later. I can remember when it was when it opened and reading about it at the time. But anyway, there's now a new Whitney uh, in Manhattan, and uh, Daniel Galernter um, has a very, um, very amusing and uh, shall we say tart essay on explaining why he thinks it may or may not work uh, as a as a museum and an exhibition space. And we have a delightful essay by Joe Queenan on um, the two parallel myths of American life. One is that the Chicago Cubs um, uh, are someday going to win the uh, 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 World Series, and the other is that the, the F Federal Reserve will raise interest rates. And he describes them both in a, in a kind of parallel fashion, uh, as almost as a folktale, uh, and in a way that only Joe Queenan can do. Um, it takes some skill to raise some laughs on the subject of raising interest rates by the Federal Reserve, but Joe Queenan has always manages to do it. And that is the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard for this week, and I look forward very much uh, to talk to you uh, later next week about our next issue. Thank you very much.